Welcome to Coinology, the podcast. Hey, 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 hey. Welcome to a new episode of Coinology. And I am so honored to be sitting across with none other than Teresa Morcho. Teresa, welcome. Hello, hello, hello. Hey. I am so, so, look, what do you think about power? What, what, What do you think about that song? Listen, um, first of all, Kanye has newfound respect for me. All day. Like, I know what y'all got to say about my man Kanye, but... Who? Watch Y'all. Him. You know what I mean? You I love I mean? Kanye. Because, you know, the news had all this to say about his relationship. We all have issues in our relationship. Mm-hmm. But when it comes to how he handles business... And the just his brilliancy. Listen, but let's go back to the relationship piece, right? Um, what Kanye said was, "I want to protect the integrity of my children." Facts, right? Um, so I, I think that his genius is just renowned, and I think the fact that he can stand out and not worry about the noise yeah. and go after the magic. Yes. Right. And that's one of the reasons why we have you here today. For those who don't know, Teresa Morcho is a beast. Okay, so Teresa Morcho is not only a technological genius. She is also the founder and creator of the Stud Model Project. Right. We're going to talk a little bit more about that, because what Teresa is doing is paving the way. Um, today in Hollywood, we're seeing a huge um, resurgence or a huge emergence, I think, yeah. of um, the lesbian masculine presenting woman. In the past, it was more so the femme or the feminine woman, right? right. But we're going to talk a little bit more about that because the, the session today is not about that. It's more so the mindset and the strength that it takes for a person to be able to stand out amongst them all, right? So, Teresa, tell us a little bit about yourself. Who, who are you? Where are you from? Where does oh, the name man. Morcho come from? So, um, I am originally from Cameroon, West Africa. Okay. So, I was born in Cameroon in this little town called Douala. And um, my parents were middle class. Mm-hmm. You know, my mother worked for the Cameroonian, um, I mean, the uh, the Cameroonian Airlines. Okay. And my dad worked for the Cameroonian Embassy, so or the American Embassy, rather. So we lived a comfortable life. A good life, life right? Yeah, you know yeah, what's so. funny is that most of the people I've been bringing in here so far, most people didn't come from the you know, started from the bottom now I'm here type situation, right? <laughs> right, right. You, you, so you came already kind of there. Right. Like I, you know, the whole public school, uh, private school situation, like we were, we weren't rich, but we were what we considered upper middle class, so to speak. Mm-hmm. Um, so around 11 years old, my I'm the youngest of five kids. All my brothers had moved to the United States or Europe or whatever. And it was just me and my parents. Mm-hmm. So my mom was like, I don't want to be away from my kids. Mm-hmm. I want to move to the United States to be with my kids and mm-hmm. be closer. So we all uprooted and I was like 11 years old. So here I am, this child. And I, when I tell this story, sometimes I get a little like baffled at mm-hmm. the ignorance. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I didn't know anything about any of the history of American history as far as like slavery, what was going on, you know, so I'd had a different perspective of myself as a black person. Mm -hmm. So, you know, like here, most people, most white people is that's their default. Their Mm -hmm. default Mm -hmm. is 
I'm white. I don't have to care about my race. I don't right, have to right. That was me growing up in Cameroon. Mm -hmm. It's like, I am a Cameroonian girl. My village is more important to me than my color. Mm -hmm. my, you mm -hmm. know, my bloodline, my, my name, Morcho, mm -hmm. is more important to me than what my color was. Mm -hmm. It wasn't until I came here and I was in middle school and I'm like being bullied and, you know, I'm too dark. I'm African booty scratcher. I'm, you know. Mm. So one <laughs> of the things of we talk a lot about is the relationship between African-Americans and Africans, right? Yes. Yeah. Did you find that challenging coming up? It wasn't as challenging for me because I used to travel to the United States often okay. as a kid. So I was very comfortable with the African-American you know, culture. I was okay. very, I was in it. I was comfortable. Okay. My mother always made sure we spoke what, what she considered Oxford English. Mm -hmm. um, so we couldn't even speak pidgin in, in our own home. Mm -hmm. We had to speak it outside. Mm -hmm. So I was comfortable, but <laughs> I had a very skewed view of what that was until I came. And then I realized that. Let me ask that you this. Most, so what when you were in Cameroon, what was your perception of African Americans? Did you already have this perception of who we were? I did. Yeah, and I I, did. and and was it a positive perception? Um, Be honest. I mean, it's it's the it's, good thing was that we visited both places. Okay, we visited my aunt who lived in New Rochelle, New York, upstate, mm -hmm. affluent, mm -hmm. and we also visited my uncle who lived in like PG County in DC, where like. <laughs> Correction, PG County is in Maryland. Okay. Well, See, I'm a DMV girl. DC Let's line. get it straight. <laughs> PG County is in Maryland. Okay. So, but for correction but, purposes, but for, more so like the Naylor Road area, like Maryland, Maryland. Okay, right? <laughs> Naylor Road area, PG County okay. area, where you like you can literally put one foot in Maryland and one foot in DC. Okay. So, um and. Then I also saw a different side of that, and mm -hmm. I was like, okay, there's there's two sides of there's America. Two there's two America. sides of America. Yeah, yeah, and it's But two we didn't get that in, in media. You know, media one of the things— What we knew was hip-hop. You knew it was it. there, right? And one of the things I recognized at a very young age from Dr. Seuss, people, humanity, entities, things, beings, are going to find a way to separate themselves— so if it's not through color, it's religion. If it's not through religion, it's economics. If it's not economics, yes. it's... Yes. So in your situation coming from Cameroon, the, the separation was not color-based, but you no. came here. It not only was color-based, but it then also was economics. Yes. It was an economic yes. difference. Okay, so you, you, you're growing up. Would you say um, you had an easy childhood? I had a fairly easy childhood until I came here. Came to Atlanta? Came to the United States. To the United States. And yeah. and so, you know, was, so I was 11 years old. You were 11. So mm -hmm. 11, was the shock just dealing with the cultural difference or was it the change in your family dynamics? Both. Okay. Let's talk about <laughs> it a little bit. Yeah. Both. Um, Number one, I'm the again, I'm the last of five kids. So all my brothers and sisters went through school, middle school, high school in Cameroon, where it's very different. It's all about you, the smarter you are, the more popular you are. Mm -hmm. It's not about what you wear. And that's different style. from how I grew it's, up. You know, I grew up on Shell Road. 
Hampton VA. <laughs> Listen, I didn't know anything about that, mm-hmm. you know? And here I am, first day of seventh grade, and my mom is, like, walking me to the bus stop in, like, a full-grown, like, African, like, mm-hmm. kaba, what we mm-hmm. call kaba, which is, like, an African version of a mumu. Mm-hmm. I'm just like, and she didn't dawn me in this, like, corduroy pants like Bill Cosby sweater Mm -hmm. I got jerry curls in my hair like she was just trying to put me together first day of school Mm -hmm, so mm -hmm. I am like taunted all day long and I just remember middle school just being rough because I could not adjust I didn't but what do you think is up now I mean there was always bullies right yeah yeah but now folks are killing you (sighs) Well, I don't I mean, you know, back in the day, you may have had a little ruffle, you know, on the bus or whatever, but it was nobody running up in the school killing everybody. I was a fighter. Mm -hmm. Like, I I remember being bullied in the eighth grade by two girls at the uh, basketball uh, at the basketball game. And I fought these two girls. And when I won that fight, it a beast came about. Ah, so then you thought you was the bomb, girl. <laughs> was like, Don't mess with Teresa. <laughs> During, but I was gone all summer, right? Mm-hmm. And then I just, I didn't hear anything about it because I was like, oh, whatever, you know, mm-hmm. I didn't hear anything mm-hmm. about it. Girl, I came back for ninth grade and it was like, that's her. That's her. That's the girl that fucked the two girls. They knew not to mess with you, so right? I became like this, like, yeah, like, don't mess with her. Don't. Right. Teresa will whoop you. <laughs> and I took that alter ego mm-hmm, on mm-hmm. to the fullest extent. Do you still like, live that, that alter ego? No, I'm not. A, I, well, I'm a fighter in a different way, man. Okay. Okay. I don't, I don't put my own belief in putting my hands Because you're an people. activist now, right? I am. You're an activist. And that's the thing. I was a fighter, but I was a bully to the bullies because I didn't like being bullied. Bully. So yeah. So I'm you like were like walking, the Robin Hood to the underdog. Yes. And you're the Robin Hood now. <laughs> the underdogs we had to talk about that a little bit so that stuff started at a young age yeah Yeah. so let's get to it when did you find out or determine or express that you were a lesbian (sighs) um i came out to my friends in the 10th grade okay and i came out to my mom when i was about 17 whoa to an african mom I know that was interesting. Mm-hmm. Did you ever come out to your African mm-hmm. dad? He never knew. He passed away not knowing. Because you know, in Africa, in some places in Africa, but some places in Africa, it's still against the law. You it can is. be stoned to death. You can yes. be put to death yes. for being gay. Yes. Right? Yeah. Did any of those areas of fear ever come across you? The funny thing about it is I didn't even know that... It was a cultural disaster. Really? I had no idea. Okay, so... I, no, I was what, more so fearful of the religious... The reli- So you guys aspect. were in an extremely religious home. We were... I was raised Catholic. Catholic. And yeah. so when did you... I mean, what was it that said, I'm gay? Like, how did you know you were gay? Um. So growing up in Cameroon, I remember having a really, really, like, intense crush on this girl across the street. How did you know it was a crush? It just... It, it felt different. It was mm-hmm. like, it wasn't like, you know, when my boys came, I was ready to play. Like, I'm, <laughs> I'm ready to go in, mm-hmm. in the lake and mm-hmm. jump in the lake and do boy things. Mm-hmm. And the girls were like, oh, my God, he's going to I'm like, no, girl, let's let's go play. But with her, it was like I would, like, just come outside my house and just sit and wait for her to go to school. And I would just be like, 
Do you think she knew? No, she was way older. Mm-hmm. She was more like my brother's age. Mm-hmm. My brother's like seven. So how years do you older. know you just weren't in fact you like you admired her? How do you know I you just wasn't like she her. was a older girl that you admired? Like I never spoke to her. My brother had a a thing for her crush for her. Mm-hmm. Um, but for me, like I just was just amazed. Like I thought she was just beautiful. Mm-hmm. I thought she was like I don't know. Like I was just like I just want to like kiss her so before you left cameroon you knew mm-hmm. so you came to the i just US. didn't have the language you just it. didn't know right mm-hmm. and so did you ever play this role of having a boyfriend at all absolutely okay so you played that role absolutely and yeah. then you told your mom at 15 at 17 17 mm-hmm. okay so at this point you have been to the prom and everything yeah so there was your prom date a guy or a girl I had two prom dates. I had two girls. Whoa. Okay, so <laughs> did you wear a tuxedo or a dress? I wore a tux. So you, okay, so let's let's back it up, y'all, because <laughs> you guys see this thin Teresa sitting in front of you, but Teresa hasn't always been femme. Long nails, okay, yeah. and all. So you you initially entered into the world of the LGBTQ um, community as a stud okay. and for those who do not understand or know what stud means is a masculine presenting lesbian am, am I correct correct okay correct. so if I've used any terms incorrectly please you guys count that to the ignorance that I may have it's okay we, I'll balance her right right so <laughs> Teresa is teaching me a lot as well as a, a few of my other friends but I just want to make sure because I don't want anyone to ever think that I'm being um, disrespectful in any kind of way so all right. So at that point, Teresa, you 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 came out the closet. Yeah. You told your mom. Your mom decided not to tell your dad. Right. Because was she afraid that it was going to? Well, so at that time, my mom knew my dad was sick. So my, I lost my father to prostate cancer. Okay. Um, back in two thousand four. So this was like around two thousand when I came out, and my mom was aware that. My dad was sick and had a lot on his plate. Mm-hmm. And my mom is that kind of lady. Like, she just, she protects her children and her mm-hmm. family, mm-hmm. even <laughs> to the detriment. How do you know herself. she didn't think you were just um, going through a phase? You know, back in the day, that's what people say and with the hopes. The, no, and I honestly, mm-hmm. to that point, mm-hmm. I think also she was just like. She's going through a phase. Yeah, like, I don't know what, like, my child is back. Like, mm-hmm. I think she felt like, you know, <laughs> you I had five kids. One of them is rotten. <laughs> <laughs> so like, you think that she thought you were rotten? At that point, yeah. My mother and I had a very, very... Were you rebellious? Oh, very. So she probably thought, okay, very. Teresa's just saying this and to hurt me. I was very promiscuous. Well, I mean, hold on. Promiscuous with who? The guys with, or the with girls? Guys. With guys. Well, I mean, hold up. I'm yeah. confused. Back yeah. up. Now, yeah. you're promiscuous yeah. with the guys, but you it. want the girls. Let's, let's talk. How are you... But you know what? Let me let's back it up though. I, I have always I, I remember some guys that I always said too that I suspected was gay and that they were very promiscuous with women and I think they were doing that to cover up. Is that what you were you doing that? Yeah. So So you were bully I, and promiscuous girl. Yes, Tell me about I, it. But I was a good student, which is crazy. <laughs> like I kept my grades up. But like I would have these like encounters with guys, but I could never emotionally well could you even enjoy the 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 no I kept searching and I just kept I was like maybe maybe because he don't know how to do it oh so let me ask you this it wasn't in your mind that you think 
um, let me keep trying. Maybe I'll find, find somebody something. that can change me. Yeah. Were you trying to be changed? You think you were I, trying to change? I wasn't necessarily even trying to be changed. I was more so like... Well, there was a rebellious part of me also that was living up to what my family was thinking of me at that time. Because mm-hmm. there was there was there was a lot that happened around that time and my family assumed that I was already promiscuous and I could not tell them that I wasn't. So No well, I'm I was confused like, though, Teresa. Okay. Mm-hmm. So you were masculine presenting mm-hmm. at that time. Mm-hmm. But your family thought you were promiscuous. So who did they think you were going? Because usually, okay, so. Well, you know, back then, too, we had the Aaliyahs. Everybody was, I wore Nautica. Right, 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 right. That's true. That's true. A lot of people didn't really, like, pick up on it. But I hung around mostly guys. And then some of the guys I hung around with, I slept with. And I thought. I thought kind of like the guys in a sense mm-hmm. where I was just like, it's just sex. Well, did they respect you? Yeah. Like that was with my homies. Like we right. to school and be like. So you would leave that situation and be emotionally unattached. Completely. Okay. And so then you realized that, wait a minute, this isn't going to be the thing for me. And then you had this, voila, experience, yeah. right? So it was like. I I was really, again, like you mentioned in the beginning, mm-hmm. I was really into computers. Mm-hmm. So um, my downtime when I didn't want to go outside or I would be on AOL or you know, mm-hmm. <laughs> I'd be on Black Planet or whatever we had. And when I spoke to women, it was a completely different me mm-hmm. versus like when I talked to guys. I'm not going to lie. I used to dog men out. Okay. Okay. <laughs> Teresa was like, breaking hearts, y'all. I had and no, taking names. <laughs> I had no emotions. <laughs> mm-hmm. So like, I was just like, yeah, whatever, dude. Give me this. Give me that. Whatever. Whatever. Okay. So you were like me, um, a gold digger. A uh, I'm a, a proud. A we need to play a little bit of Kanye. Okay. <laughs> a proud. Okay. A so you. All right. Yeah, so go ahead. So, back. To- <laughs> but that was when I was so young and I used to be able to get older guys because I, I, my curves came in so early. So mm-hmm. that's when my, my family started to kind of get whims up like, mm-hmm. okay, she mm-hmm. is, she's mm-hmm. out there. And then mm-hmm. I hung around nothing but guys. Mm-hmm. So they were like, she fucking. She, they knew, they knew what was going yeah. on. And so. And, yeah. So it, that was kind of what my mom was just like, so you've made it through guys. Now you're so promiscuous that you're. Going into women. The, yeah, she probably thought that you had experienced everything, was bored, yeah. and then you were just, you know, Different going through a phase. Mm-hmm. Okay, so now we realize umpteen years later, it was not a phase, right? No. But how do, how do you go from being a masculine presenting woman to now being super femme to the point your nails are all the way to the South Pole. Well, t- talk to me a little bit about, I mean, what was that transition what like? What do they call these DGs? We're not going to talk about that. Um, but <laughs> but um, so when I came out to my mother around 17 years old, mm-hmm. she was not having it. She mm-hmm. was like, you're not going to do that in my house. Not only was I, and perhaps let me let y'all know, my mother and I are like this. Mm-hmm. Like, I love this woman. Mm-hmm. So, but I have to, sometimes telling your story lets her know that there's still healing to be done in either part, right? That's right. So with my mother, it was like, I don't want that done under my roof. You got to get out. I was bag lady girl. Mm-hmm. I had the mm-hmm. plastic laundry bags, like them big old ones. And I had like two of them with all my stuff. I was homeless for like 
two weeks. So 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 let's back up. So mm-hmm. it was that important to you mm-hmm. to express your sexuality mm-hmm. that you were willing to be homeless. Yes. Let's talk about that a little bit. Like, why? Why, why couldn't she said not under my roof? Mm-hmm. So why could you not just live and not actually? Because what, what did she not want you to do under her roof? She didn't. She just didn't want. That was the thing. Was like the verbiage to me was that I could not live. You couldn't be you. And me not being me is not living. Right. Right. You so felt like you were no suffocating. Like there were no options for me because if I lived under her roof, I was going to break her rules. But you then later on, you married a man, though. I did. So, Teresa, come on now. How, how we know for a fact that you are sure <laughs> you were masculine presenting, you were promiscuous, yes. you yes. married a man. Girl, how, I, girl, listen, my life is a book. Look, you done um, had an enjoyment, yeah, honey. Yes, honey, you so, didn't experience I mean, like, it. At 17, when I was homeless, like, I didn't mm-hmm. know where I was going. I didn't know what I was doing. Like, mm-hmm. I had gave up college. And so you I had no mentors and no anybody mentors, to kind of show you the ropes. No. You didn't join so, a house? No, not at that time because okay. houses back then were really for men. They were really for a lot of the gay men. Women didn't have a lot of places to go back then. And that's interesting because yeah. I think when we remember I said earlier on, people will find a way to separate themselves. Yeah. And I was shocked as a heterosexual cisgender woman. I'm correct, right? Yes. I, hey. Yes. So as a heterosexual cisgender woman, I was surprised to know the amount of discrimination that goes on within the LGBTQ community between the gay men, the gay women, between trans and gay men or gay women, bisexuals, again, the the non-binary, da-da-da. I was really, really surprised. So did you you think that gay men had had it easier? I think that they just had a head start just because... Um, being a gay black man was way more like against the culture, against the rules. So they had kind of a head start in creating that family dynamic in order to, you know, really support them. Mm-hmm. And then the AIDS epidemic came about mm-hmm. in the 80s. So they really had to come together. As far as us with women, Especially if you're feminine, you can really hide that. Mm -hmm. You can hide that. It seems like most people, especially men, men are very forgiving about women that Mm -hmm. are lesbian. That too. Right? That too. Whereas women are not as forgiving about dating a man who has lived a different life. I think it's changing now in the dynamics that we are because a lot of young women today are open to dating bisexual men and so forth, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, But for you, Let's talk about that a little bit. So entering into the entertainment industry, did you notice a major difference in the way that you were being received versus some of your gay male counterparts? Yes. As far as support for my community, Mm -hmm. um, just like you mentioned, there's like this divide that happens in our community. And for women, it was harder because like... (laughs) I don't know what it was with us, but like this competition thing is real, and no amount competition of between who between women. That's real. I it's mean, real. you know, that's real, real. It's real, real, and there's no amount of masculinity that can cover that. So, in a relationship with two women, you still have you're battling with that too. 
Absolutely. Really? Absolutely. My, my I never even ex, thought about that. Yeah, my ex-relation, my uh, ex-wife and I kind of had that dynamic of like a battle of like this success battle and and it's getting better now in relationships, but I'm saying in women in general, there is this like, you know, I don't know what it is. I don't know what it is. It's so, sickening. It's yeah. sickening. Yeah. And, and and so let's talk about in the entertainment industry though, you know, the Me Too movement. Yeah. That really started raises its ugly head and we started to see and hear about a lot of that. I haven't heard a lot of it in the LGBTQ community. So um, let's talk a little bit about that. Have you had a lot of experience or have you had any experience at all with this whole Me Too movement, especially in the space that you're in? Um, so I have had experience with the Me Too movement with men. Um, as far as women, not so much as far as me being the victim. I have been accused just because I'm a woman in power. Um, so you've so, been accused. Absolutely. Okay. Absolutely. Okay. Um, so and when when that happens, it gives you a different perspective because, again, we're two women, right? Mm -hmm. um, and most people, especially when the law is involved, you really how do you, how does the law even deal with that? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. You know what I mean? How does the law even deal with that? Um, so when you're talking about the Me Too movement, when it's t especially with two women, with two men, even two men, the law can't. How? They're going to be like, you're a guy. He's a guy. Why didn't you? Like, they have this perception of, like, because it's two guys, y'all should be able to duke it out. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. You know? And then they have this perception of, like, if it's two women, you must like it. Yeah. Like. You know, it's sexualized. Right, it, right. It's. it's alluring mm -hmm. and so it's not taken seriously and this happens not just with the me too movement of like sexual assault but with abuse it happens mm. with domestic abuse and relationships yeah because happens. i think I, I wonder how the cops handle that really yeah. right yeah what do you think about what's happening now with britney over in um <sighs> russia do you think that if she were michael jordan Absolutely. or somebody else that they would treat her differently yes a hundred and 20% yes. She does not fit the the look of what um, the entertainment industry is looking to push forward when they're fighting for a cause. She mm. just doesn't fit that. Even though the LGBTQ community is so strong she's right now. She's black and she's a woman, right? She's black and she's black and she's a masculine presenting queer person. So you think they're trying to sweep her under the rug? What do you think is going on? Because why haven't think as I, an activist, how come you haven't raised the roof? What's going on? So we have actually been talking about it under the table, but there's something very unique about this situation just because it is so heavily politicized. Like the I'm politics. I don't understand. Like I'm Inside really trying of, to figure yeah, it like, out. Like why know. why is nobody talking about it? The 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 egg, the the fiance no the wife she's yeah. married right the wife isn't even really raising the roof it's as if somebody has put a gag order yeah what's going on Teresa and that's what I don't understand like when we talk about it in our little panel of discussions mm -hmm. it's almost like we have all these things that we want to push and do but then we're like how does this, what is the trickle effects of this? Mm -hmm. Like, how does this impact the bigger global Well, how does it impact? Why, why haven't you, as one of the most respected um, African-American female activists, mm -hmm. le lesbian activists, mm -hmm. why haven't you 
and some others, Teresa Morchos, join hands. You have me as a media contact. Why hasn't there been more outrage to bring this young woman home? Let's do it. The reason I say that is because, again, that's kind of what, when it happened initially, we were outraged. There was like constant posting, but then that's social media, right? Social media social is media. living a, a fake life. <laughs> that's what I'm right? saying. Like that's in social media. As far as what are we doing boots on the ground, so mm -hmm. to speak, as the military would say. Mm -hmm. What are we doing boots on mm -hmm. the ground? And nothing, and I openly will say nothing is being done even on my end. If it was Ellen DeGeneres, would that still be the case? Listen. Would Girl. it? Because if from it my Ellen understanding. DeGeneres, listen, the White House would be split in two. Why? Uh, so why is it Kamala and Biden doing something about it? Let's let's be real about it. Why? I'm telling you right now, and 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 every time I, I talk about the intersectionality of a masculine presenting black queer person, people don't understand. Just because it's Brittany Griner and she has this huge name in basketball does not negate the fact that she is still fitting in this very small demographic of a person that was born assigned and I'm and. If I'm not correct, y'all will correct me. Mm -hmm. I think Brittany Griner is um, non-binary, uh, and so okay. So you know you're gonna have to school me on this because <laughs> I hear a lot of people. So you're trying to say that she, she was born by, a I woman. Think, I think we'll say she for context here, but I think she out does, of respect, out of respect, I think she goes by they them. They um, so she, so they was I say I'm using the wrong. Yeah, it, it's. So it's a Brittany. Deal, so so, so Brittany yeah. was born a woman, but she does not classify herself as such or as a man anymore either, right? Correct. From from what I last read and understood. Okay. So, okay. Um, but for context, like I said, just you know, to keep the conversation and mm -hmm. and again, I know these topics are very sensitive, so I don't mm -hmm. want no disrespect to anybody. Right. We're just trying right. to bring awareness but to a with, situation. With what's going on with Brittany is like number one. She, female, black, queer, um, masculine presenting. These are all the bottom totem pool of these demographics that we're talking about. Even in the LGBTQ community, the black queer woman is like the last person to be represented in a lot of the things that we show, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. unless she's powerful, mm -hmm. unless she brings a, about mm -hmm, change, mm -hmm. you know? And so when we're talking about Brittany Griner, it's like, we are here to make that change, but we ourselves are separated. We're like this. Mm. So Stud Model Project, even when we talk about what I do, is to bring that closer. What we hear as, as a stud, as a STEM, um, what we hear as a uh, transgender, what we hear as all these different labels, at the end of the day, we're all masculine presenting people who are assigned mm -hmm. female at birth and who are black, and we share a very similar experience. And if we don't come together on that on a global scale, Things like this with Brittany Griner will get missed mm -hmm. completely mm -hmm. because the trans community will feel like it's not my fight. How did or, you become an activist? Um, because I needed one. You didn't have one. I you didn't needed have someone one. to speak up for yeah. you, right? I needed one desperately. Okay. Yeah. And then why the stud model project when you're not a stud? It was kind of my way of like honoring that masculine part of me that I like let go mm -hmm. um, because I let go of that person to survive, mm -hmm. you know, to survive in, in society and 
um, I let go of that person so much that I didn't recognize that person anymore. So you, in, so you're saying in, internally you're still a stud. Yeah. But you present as a femme to be accepted. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. So how do how do you think the women in the project feel about that? Um, there is a connection that happens when I speak to them because I don't. My conversation with my models are never a y'all. Mm-hmm. It's always a we. Mm-hmm. It, it's but do they see you as a we? Yeah, we're because fa- the the dynamic for us is family. Okay, first, mm-hmm. like um, they call me boss lady, but to me, I'm like big sister. Mm-hmm. I'm like, um, yeah, I have a dominant personality for sure, but. I'm very nurturing, caring, feminine, all of those things. Mm -hmm. But when I'm with them, I don't see myself any different. And I don't think they see me any different Mm -hmm. outside of the fact that. Because after a while, you no longer look at a person. You start to connect with their their spirit, right? Their energy. Correct. So let's talk about your IVF journey, right? So you want to become a mom, right? So let's talk about that. How difficult has that been so far? It has been probably the hardest thing I have ever done in my entire life. Wow. It is by far the most taxing thing I've ever done in my entire life. But you want a baby that bad, right? Yeah. You're about to get married, are you? Yeah, well, I am engaged. Oh, engaged, okay. Yeah. Congratulations. Thank you, thank you. You seem extremely (laughs) happy on Facebook. (laughs) Is this marriage one, two, three? Which marriage is this, I am shy. Um, this is officially marriage th- two and a half. I'll say okay, now, come on now. Two and a half? I'll say two and a half. Is it, were you, okay. Because my ex-dude wasn't, that was like an arranged thing. Like, you still got to like, claim him though, right? He was there. He was there on paper, yeah. He was on there. So, he was there. So this is marriage number three. So you think yeah. three times a charm? Um, she ain't going nowhere. She ain't got no choice. I, like, But I who normally, her. the question is, Teresa, I have a feeling that you the one <laughs> who drop them off at the corner and keep on going. Now, how do you know that you are going to really be able to settle it <laughs> down this time? Out, <laughs> You're the heartbreaker over there, girl. So clutch my pearls with that one. <laughs> um, so she's aware that I'm an Aquarius. Okay. And we do have... Our cutoff game is strong. I mean, I could just tell, Teresa, that you are playing no games. Some of the stuff that you play at post on Facebook, I mean, you don't care. No. Mm -hmm. No, not at all. Um, My cutoff game is strong. And so I, but she's aware that, and and I told her this, I said, for me, marriage is not about me telling you that I want to spend the rest of my life with you. Mm Mm-hmm. That's not marriage for me. Mm -hmm. For me, marriage is me waking up and saying, I'm going to try to make this right here, Mm -hmm. the most beautiful experience. The moment that we're in right now. The moment that we're in I can't promise you forever. I can't promise you Okay. I got you. So, Mm -hmm. you know, something I saw that you posted, it was probably about a year, maybe a year ago. Um, You posted something that stated that you have... um, Different beliefs in spirituality. So you were born a Catholic. Yeah. How do you identify yourself today? Um, godly. Okay. And what does that mean? <laughs> what does that mean? <laughs> um, so there was one point in my life mm-hmm. where, um, and that's kind of how I, I ended up married. 
when I lost my dad in in the military. Mm-hmm. Um, I lost my father, and I was. So I, I blamed out. I was like, maybe he's gone because God is cursing me for being gay and being this and that mm, and that. Mm, um, mm. So I was in church a lot and I actually met my ex uh, dude in uh, the military base that I was in. And so that right there was kind of like my spiritual journey to Christianity away from Catholic, but more of a general Christian okay. um, sense. And, um, when I had, when I lost my daughter, um, I lost my daughter at 18 weeks pregnant. Mm. I gave birth to her, and she, um, she died in my arms. Oh, right. I'm sorry about that. Yeah. So that was that was like a, a surreal experience. Mm-hmm. It was very surreal, and I was alone. Um, like her father and I had so much issues. So when I gave my life to God. Mm-hmm. No one was around. There was no Bible around. There was no pastor, no priest, no mm-hmm. <laughs> no church lady, no mm-hmm. cross, no mm-hmm. nothing. Mm-hmm. I was literally in the bathroom taking a shower and I went to like rub myself down in milk, you know, like cuz my body is thinking there's a baby. Mm-hmm. Feed the baby. And I went like this and the milk came out and I lost my mind and was about to lose my life that day. And um, it was that day that I gave my life to God. So what I realized was that my search for God was an internal search. It was never external. Mm -hmm. Because every time that I went outside searching for God, when I went to people, when I went to churches, when I went to books and Bibles and all Mm -hmm. of that, um, I found everybody else's version of God. Mm -hmm. Versus your own. Versus my own. So my connection to spirituality and to God is very organic. It doesn't have a religious tint to it. Mm -hmm. It's just very organic. Do I read the Bible? Do I find the Bible useful? Absolutely. Mm -hmm. But I'm not the one who says that this book is better than this book, is more truthful than this book, Mm -hmm. than that book. Mm -hmm. My spirituality to God is just really organic. It's more so like listening to that when you meditate, listening to that voice, mm-hmm, like, mm-hmm. am I thinking thoughts or are thoughts thinking me? Right. You know, and, and, and mental health. Right. Do you yeah. think that has a lot to do with the mental health challenges that a lot of LGBTQ individuals go through? Because I, I mean, not only just that, I'm noticing today, Teresa, suicide is at all time high. I mean, every time I turn on my Instagram, mm. it's like a spirit of death that's taking over. And they're young people. And I'm like, whoa. And then the way that they're doing it, it's not even, it's a, a very painful way, jumping off the buildings and things of that nature. Mm-hmm. Do you think that it's a lot of it has to do with societal perceptions, uh, us having to live up to one another's expectations? Yeah. Instagram, TikTok, yeah. what do yes. you think about it? And I'm not even going to lie. There are times when I wake up in the morning and I feel amazing. I'm like, this is, I can take over the world. Mm-hmm. And then there's some times that I wake up in the morning and I'm like, I have to do another possibly 40 or 50 years of this shit. Oh, man. You know, Teresa, I've never woke up feeling that way. Yeah. That's depression. So you would say that you are a functioning depressive? Absolutely. Really? Yeah. And, and I have Monday therapy every week. So what do you think is the contributing factor to that? Have, have you guys been able I've to dig into that? I've had a lot of trauma in my life. Mm-hmm. I've, I've experienced a lot of loss and a lot of trauma and lack of support 
lack of understanding how to maneuver through that, how to deal with that. Mm-hmm. And luckily, I my spirituality is my base. Mm-hmm. And when people lose that, unfortunately, people connect spirituality to, re- to religion so hard that when they lose religion, they lose spirituality. Mm-hmm. And that is when things fall apart. Things completely, completely fall apart. Um, so for me, I just was like... This is not how I want to be. I don't want to see the world in this way because I have so many great things going on. But your mind gets your mind really is, your mind's playing tricks clouded. on you, right? It gets really clouded. Like there's some people, and I tell people don't don't measure your depression with me mm-hmm. because there's some people who can lose their entire family in a house fire and like be burnt from one side and live a completely happy beautiful, skydiving, rock climbing, joyful marriage with children. And then there's some people who will lose their dog. And that's it for them. Mm. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So it is a chemical imbalance as well. And I want people to understand that depression is not just, oh, because I had a lot of trauma as well. There is like a chemical imbalance that happens when it's when your your stress hormones are triggered over and over and over mm. and over and over and over and over again that your brain automatically just says stress before any other solution mm-hmm, can be mm-hmm, thought about. Mm-hmm. It's like your brain goes there first. And once it's there, if you don't have those mechanisms to get you off that ledge, it's tough. That explains, I mean, because I think... When I see the youth and I see folks talking about their trauma, like even when I hear some, when I talk to some folks I went to high school with, a lot of them are saying that high school was the worst years of their life. And it was like, I loved high school. So I did. Were you the popular girl? Um. <laughs> I, I, yeah. The popular well, girl with I the did. pretty smile and the good I, hair. I, I did. I, I enjoyed high school. Yeah. I was, you know, well known, and, and I did not have a negative experience in my youth. Yeah. And what I'm finding is, I don't think that people realize that what they do to children today mm-hmm. impacts mm-hmm. them for the rest of their life. Ever. Lack of support, um, you know, too much abuse, um, harsh words, Mm -hmm. you know, inappropriate touches, Mm -hmm. um, just, Mm -hmm. you know, constantly questioning their worth. And you and you wonder why these folks grow up and they are trying to figure it out. And to be honest, right, I tell people not just your childhood trauma. But what you do when you're an adult and the person that gave you that childhood trauma, how you deal with them can also impact. Because I say that to say, like, my mother and I, my mother just left from here two, three weeks ago. And for the first time in a long time, I was able to look at my mother as, like, she was telling me stories about things that were going on. You know, mm-hmm. when I was going through some of the things that we really had a woman-to-woman conversation. And for the first time, you see your mother as a woman first. You see her as a person first. Mm-hmm. And then you see her as a wife mm-hmm. before you see her as a mother. And then so I started to 
kind of like remember some of the things that were going on in my head when my mother was kind of dealing with me the way mm-hmm. she was dealing with me. And I had to make sense of that because I am a woman now trying to be a mother and I have made so many mistakes. We all have. We all, Teresa, oh. I mean, we all have. Don't be, girl. <laughs> I have made so many mistakes. <laughs> and I don't know how that impacts my nieces, my nephews, let alone a child that I'm raising. One of my biggest day. fears is I, I, I pray every night that I have not done anything that can destroy or deter my children. I mean, that would do something to me to know that I, I, I work overtime to make sure that my kids are happy um, yeah. because that would do something to me. Right. Yeah. It really it, it really would. Especially if you don't you're not aware if you're not aware. You know, you know I mean? But then I think it's some people who are aware oh, yeah. of their damaging ways and just answers. don't care. <laughs> they look for people they consider to be weaker than them. Yeah. And they, you know, do horrible things. Yeah. But let's talk about how you were able to turn that pain, that depression into a thriving business. Right, because that's what cornology is all about. It's about the mindset of the winners. Most people always say, "I want to be Teresa. I want to be uh, Gabrielle Union. I want to be Oprah. I want to be," but they don't know the sacrifices and the experiences that one had to go through, and the sacrifices one had to make so that you can be a Teresa Morcho, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. So how did how are you able to turn that pain into a thriving business? Um, so creativity has always been therapeutic mm-hmm. for me. Um, I always enjoy painting and, and things of that nature. So when I lost my daughter, Genesis, um, I kind of got back into my, create, my creative side mm-hmm. to, to be um, <laughs> sane. Mm-hmm. Um, I got out of the military, I think was, what, 2009, around the time when, you know, <laughs> economic collapse was happening, mm-hmm. recession was happening. I couldn't find work. Um, I couldn't find a job. I was losing my house to the mortgage disaster that was happening at that time. Mm, that 2008 um, disaster. Yeah. Yeah. So I was part of that. And I, mm. you know, lost my house. And being in that situation, I was just like, what do I do? Mm-hmm. I can either lay down and be homeless again, which that will never happen. Mm-hmm. Or I can lace my boots up and make something happen. Mm-hmm. Um, so... I created Trabor Entertainment, which was uh, just an entertainment company and Trabor Graphics simultaneously. Mm-hmm. So I, I was a graphics designer. I started doing uh, flyers. I taught myself how to do flyers mm-hmm. and all of that stuff. Mm-hmm. And that's just kind of how I started my business. Mm-hmm. But you were Trabor, hungry. I was hungry. And mm-hmm. I needed to survive. Mm-hmm. Like survival mm-hmm. mode will make or break you. Mm-hmm. Um, so you can either lay down and... Or I can dig in at all my resources that I've learned over the years and make something happen for that. What I heard from you or did not hear from you that I think is synonymous or repetitive with winners is that they don't look for other people to blame. You never sat back and said, my mom didn't do this. My dad didn't do this. My ex-husband didn't do this. My da-da-da. You said, I need to do this. 
Yeah. Right. And I think that's important for people to know is that you didn't look externally for somebody to come in and save you. You said, I'm going to save myself. Yeah. Right. I'm putting the trauma behind me. I'm putting all I am not going to be in that position again. So something clicked in your head. And that is that click is the click that the top 10 percent have. Wow. The, I didn't know that. Yeah. The <laughs> the majority of people will do the woe is me. Someone did me wrong. You don't get me. You deserve I deserve. You did need to give me this. The system owes me that. They would just cons- spend most of their time yeah. saying someone owes them instead of taking that energy and saying, What can I do? To solve my problem. And the top 10% are the ones who think like that. Yeah. And that is the reason why you're here with Cornology right now, right? That's intense. I never thought about that. Mm -hmm. I've never. Because my my thought process has always been, Teresa, you got to get yourself into it or get yourself out of it. That's right. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? If I, and not to say that I don't have a, a supporting team to push me there. But with or without that team, baby, this 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 shoot you train mm-hmm, moving, mm-hmm. you know. Um, so that's one of the the things that I just and I've even when I I quit on myself, even when things happen that are bad or <laughs> I fail in something, like it is always a learning experience. Failing is part of success. Always. You have to fail forward. Always. You have to fail to get to the finish line. And you know, I will say this too, Teresa. It's not about Failing, because we all have to do it, is how you fail. Mm -hmm. And what I will say is the time that I've known you and every time I've had interactions with you, you've always been pleasant. That in itself is going to take you a very long way. You know, when people like dealing with you, they're going to care about your success and they're going to remember you. That is why when we were saying, okay, who do we want? As part of season one corner, that is how the names come up. You think about it, you know. I was so excited. That's how the because it's it's you leave a memorable mark, and even through the trauma and the trials and tribulations, you don't put that on other people. You leave them feeling better than you did when you met them. That's important. That's what I think. Real, real I leaders leave that. people feeling good. I really appreciate that because. Times get hard sometimes, you know what mm-hmm, I mean? Mm-hmm. And sometimes when you're that person, it's like, who do you go to when mm-hmm. you're that person? Mm-hmm. Um, but one thing I've noticed in life is that, and one of my really good friends, Tamika, if you're watching this, baby, I love you. <laughs> um, one of my really good friends, you know, we sit down all the time and we have this conversation. She's like, sometimes people are going through things too. Everybody. Everybody. That's what, so let's, let's so back I up. Just, Everybody going I can't through something, just put right? That on YouTube. So like. that's the part I'm saying. So people think they're the only ones yes. going through something and everybody's supposed to give just them grace. But what about us? Yes. We're all going through something, right? And the people like us who, and I'm not downgrading anybody, but right. the people who put themselves out there are usually the people who go through the, the most. most. The most, and they go through it alone, alone. you know, because yeah. no one checks on that strong yes. friend, yes. right? Yes. And um, and that's the part that I think is important is that all of us recognize that everybody is going through something in this journey called life. Yeah, and we need to respect that. 
We need to honor it. We also need to respect that everybody's different because everybody isn't as strong as the others. Absolutely. So when you recognize that you you handle and deal with everyone differently, so we're not saying that everybody can handle the same things that yeah, Teresa yeah. can handle. And that's why I, I said that before, mm-hmm. right? You can't judge someone else's mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. some people can deal with a lot and some people Some people just, just can't, can't and they yeah. just can't. But, you know, Teresa, so as we bring Cornology to a close, what is it that you see for the Stud Model Project moving forward in the future? What do you see the purpose of this? So what's the purpose? What's the purpose and what do you see happening with this movement? I am so excited. Like this question makes me giddy because... Um, a lot of things has been happening mm-hmm. ever since we met. Mm-hmm. And I, I just love you guys so much for all the support that you guys have poured into me and the project, even not understanding truly where, because honey, I didn't even <laughs> understand where I was going. Mm-hmm. I, I just knew, like I had one vision and that vision has already come to play. I didn't do it, but that's how you know that what you're thinking about is bigger mm-hmm. than you mm-hmm. when you're happy even when someone else does it. Okay. Okay. Because the purpose the purpose the purpose is, is happening. Is it doesn't happening. matter who owns it. Exactly. Right. Right. So for me, I remember starting this project. I said, I just want to see a stud on Times Square in like a Calvin Klein underwear, like dressed like the the boy version kind mm-hmm. of thing. Mm-hmm. And I've seen that already. It's mm-hmm. happened. Mm-hmm. Different bodies mm-hmm. have happened. And I was just like, okay, so where do we go next? So for us, it's like, I want to bring a collective together globally, not just in the United States of Mm -hmm. America, but globally. Um, We have so many studs and masculine presenting uh, people that were, you know, we say AFAB um, in Africa. What does AFAB mean? Um, Assigned female at birth. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So we have so many of them in South Africa, Kenya, Nigeria. We have them in Jamaica. We Like, there's so many of them. But they're also in places where, just like you said earlier, they can't be themselves freely. Mm -hmm. So, number one, we want to touch those people. We want to bring them in because Stud Model Project is very therapeutic. And it gives these groups of people a place to go to fellowship, Mm -hmm. um, to gain confidence, and to just be creative and to network with each other. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, we're a photo kind of, you know, but we're also creating this environment for them to be able to just... Exists. It's educational too. It's educational too. Because one of the things yeah. I'll say, ever since I met you, I started paying more attention. Yeah. And I don't know if this is new, but I've noticed that now that most of the top rated movies that are out now all have a masculine presenting woman. Mm-hmm. And lead roles now, right? Has that always? No. So this is just because I was like, okay, it, it, I just now seen it's this because time, Teresa. Baby. So <laughs> your time is now, right? Yeah. So yeah. Th- this is new. How did you? So how do you guys feel when you see that? Like I know you were probably celebrating. Oh man, listen, some of these roles, I I commend Lena Wave and some of the other pioneers that came before her. Um, who have created this platform. But Lena Waithe, I think, was like the cherry on top because she came into a position of not just an actor or actress. She came into a position as a writer, producer, creator, where she actually created her own genre where she can pick and choose who she wants to put in these lead roles. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And when people actually started to see that 
and not just in lead roles where they're criminals. <laughs> We've seen like those, set it off, right? you think? Like, exactly, right. set it off. And but but so how did like that? The, oh yeah, the wire. That's yeah. right. Yeah, that is true. Most of the I didn't think about that before. Yeah, if you uh, what's the other one? Pimp. With, yeah, uh, yeah, I didn't yeah. even think about so that. So they're usually criminals or, or some kind of like. Right, 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 but right. Recently, we're starting to see like, you know, Harlem, where she was like this tech guru geek. Mm-hmm, and, mm-hmm. you know, they're like these. I'm like, okay. Harlem, and it was another movie that was. Because I, I inboxed you, it, I saw it on Netflix, and I was like, hey, I can't remember. I think remember it was the name Bruce. Of it. Was it Bruce? I can't remember now. With, Harley, with Halle Berry? Yes, yeah. with Halle Berry, right? Yeah. Um, that's when I first noticed. I said, wait a minute, Teresa, I think your movement is making some noise out here, right? Yeah. And it's, it's. Um, I saw and I was like, wow, I know Teresa and her community. They're extremely proud. proud. Yeah, Very. yeah. It takes, a, it takes a real trailblazer and a real leader to be able to go in the midst of noise and still keep going and keep your head up. I want to be able to say, I want to honor you. Thank you. Because, you know, a lot of times we... Um, wait until the person is no longer here and things of that nature. Yeah. But I think that you're brilliant. I think that you're smart. I think you're courageous. Um, and I am proud to say from a sister to sister that I know you, that we've crossed paths, and I continue to root for you. I, I watch you. you. You share your story. You're really transparent. You're sharing your IVF struggles. You're sharing your walk with your interracial yeah. fiancé. Yeah. Um, you share, that in itself is a walk. Yep. <laughs> you you share yeah. your you, you know your um, spirituality thoughts. Yeah. Um, you're very very transparent, and I don't know if you realize that when you write, people listen. I'm sure you do because on TikTok your stuff has gone viral a gazillion times, right? Yeah, my page is now private on TikTok, but when it was public, now private. Why are you private? So it's private. <sighs> I mean, you went viral a million times. So <laughs> I can only handle one viral account, right? Mm-hmm. And Stud Model Project started to go viral. Mm-hmm. And I was like, mm, I need somebody to either handle one of these accounts. Mm-hmm. So I was like, let me kind of pull myself back a little bit, especially because, you know, I was going through the whole IVF and mm-hmm. I had surgery mm-hmm. and all of that stuff. So I just kind of pulled my community a little bit closer to me. Okay. With my Teresa Morcho. Mm-hmm. But Stud Model Project has just been, man, we just did this whole thing with Slutty Vegan. I was just like. I ah! saw that. Big ups to that, girl. <sighs> how did that happen with you and Pinky? What I mean, How did that happen? I have been sliding into many, many DMs. Where the camera at? <laughs> right right sli- there. I've been sliding <laughs> into y'all DMs. Mm-hmm. Um, but I've been sliding into a lot of brands, especially brands here in Atlanta, mm-hmm. um, to just collaborate with them. And so um, I I have been hitting up Pinky. I've been hitting up Kaleidoscope. I've been hitting, I'm, yes, I'm plugging. Okay, Judy. <laughs> but, right. And I've just been hitting Well, you know, Brat, so, Brat exactly. will, you know, and I know Brat's going to see this. Brat, you need to hit my girl Teresa up. I Teresa is the real. Let's do and, it. and Brat reps. The community. The community. I mean, like, she is literally the staple of what most... You know what? We got to talk about that before we close out. Yes. What do you think about... I mean, now it's, you know, Niecy Nash and Jessica Betts, um, Brad and Judy. What has that done for your community? I mean, we just feel like we can can bag them now. 
Okay. <laughs> yeah, because if you think about it, hold on, Judy. No, no, you're right you know though, I mean? because like, Judy was not a um, a lesbian. She still doesn't classify herself as a lesbian, right? And Nisi was also, I think, just as of late, she may have. But before, when people asked her was she gay, she said no. She was just living, right? Yeah. So yeah, so that's two studs that were able to get. Long term mm-hmm. heterosexual. So let me ask this. I think that's right. I'm glad because I told Fonz <laughs> I was going to ask this question. And Fonz almost let me forget asking it. Do you think everybody is gay? And then, because you know, I remember one time I watched a thing on Oprah Winfrey years ago, and Oprah said that there's a gayer meter. And some people are just more gay than others. I think. All of those facets are fluid. Gender, expression, um, sexuality, I think all of them are fluid. So you, you think that's how a 50-year-old, because Nisi was 50 mm-hmm. when she married Jessica Betts. Mm-hmm. That's how a 50-year-old heterosexual two-time married mother mm-hmm. could go all the way in. Mm-hmm. Because I think that there are more people in the closet than there are people out. Just because society says that you're supposed to be, for a long time, society says a man is supposed to be with a woman, uh, and that's how. So it's you think it was a closet situation? You don't think that it was just we? And met when I say closet, I, I don't mean that in a like she even knew. She may not have even known, mm-hmm. but some people just don't even look at that because society says that if you're a woman you're supposed to deal with a man so they don't even think of that as an option well you know what's odd to me is when i see and this is just my ignorance Mm -hmm. um as a heterosexual cisgender woman um when i see jessica and um nisi Mm -hmm. i see the um, relationship When I see Judy And um, Brad I see the relationship But I see a, They're like best friends I see yes. them as girlfriends Like They seem like They chill out Like me I and my girls with, chill With, with Nisi and, and Really? Jessica. I see that more So I see Their relationship Being more like My husband and I Like It, it just seems different I don't I see to me um, Judy and Brad Just seem like Really good Best friend well, Girlfriends not Brad too is more on what we would call the androgynous or stem. Yeah, because sometimes when I whatever. see her, I mean, mm-hmm. Brad is beautiful, drop dead, gorgeous. But she has stud energy. She has stud always have, even <laughs> yeah. when she was with Alan Iverson. Sorry, stud, yeah. you never fooled me. <laughs> but she always she's always energy. been drop dead gorgeous. Yes. And so when I yeah. see her get dressed up, I'm like, wow, Brad is killing him. And she thick. I'm sorry. Okay, so <laughs> but that was, when, the, that was the boy in me. Uh, but but when I see <laughs> Brad and um, Judy, I just see good girlfriends. Yeah, I see their love. Like I see. I mean, I see they love yeah, each other. Like, yeah, I see definitely. That, but like, like for me and my, and that's why I say when when people ask me if I'm stud inside, like me and my girlfriend or my fiance rather, like we be we stupid. If mm-hmm. there was a camera. Y'all would probably be like, what? Are they homies? Like, mm-hmm. what's happening? Mm-hmm. Um, but, like, that's just, that's the, that's the beauty of it. What you does know, You get a best friend. You get a best, I mean, yeah. And and the thing is, sometimes I remember one one shot, 
um, brat show, she had dressed up in Judy's dress or something. It was maybe yeah, a year ago. and she was like, yeah, and she well, she had on. She was no, Judy wasn't there. She did a photo shoot in Judy's dress, and brat was dressed all up. She looked really, really, really nice. But it's like, yeah, they could even wear each other's clothes and everything. It's a trip because I was saying, wow, they look like best yeah. friends. Their relationship seems like they just sit back and just talk about the same everything. stuff, right? Right. Everything. Right. I often wonder I was like I wonder Because I know Both of their relationships At the same time That Brad and Judy um, Got married um, Nisi and Jessica Were on the cover of Essence Mm -hmm. What did that mean What did that mean To your community I'm not even gonna lie to y'all I shed a tear First of all Because I've been following Jessica I didn't know who she was What? I have been on Jessica For over 10 years Really? Yes Like I have messages Going back and forth with her When I even wanted to work with her Mm -hmm. um, Probably 8 plus years ago When she was You know Heavy in her music. Mm-hmm. Um, I heard so, she's a phenomenal artist. Phenomenal artist. Beautiful voice. Mm-hmm. And I just remember seeing that cover, and I was just like, y'all going to learn today. I think they learned. Excuse me for the echo, but they going <laughs> to learn today. I think they. I said, because you cannot deny that that is a beautiful couple. When you see Nisi and Jessica, you see this amount of love between yes. the two of them. It it's looks just... authentic, normal organic it doesn't look like what america has been telling people you know these bold daggers mm-hmm, look mm-hmm, like mm-hmm. and are doing mm-hmm. and it doesn't look like that it doesn't and i think the other part about it too is that nisi's not apologizing no. for it she just says this is me at all i love her for that and you know and and for her to be the age that she is and the age that she came out she's extremely confident yeah and there's another actress who just came out as bisexual. Oh, I cannot think of her name now. Um, but she has done a lot of um, um, kind of like that B-list uh, movies. Actually, some I think type I know, of Harry movies as well. I think I know who you're talking about. I, I cannot thought. think of her name to save my life. But she just came out as well and was very unapologetic about it. And I was just like, you know what? Kudos to you. But, you know, and this is my last question. I know it's going to go a little bit, but Afonso is going to get me. <laughs> but the question I have is, okay, so what's the, how, what makes you gay? How does she know that she's just not having an enjoyable sexual experience? Like, who? So I will, I will, I will flip that question. Okay. Right? And I've, I've flipped this question before and mm-hmm. asked straight people. Okay. How do you know that you're straight? Because I have no int- I'm not attracted to a woman. I'm not interested in a woman. So how and men ask these questions all the time, mm-hmm. right? So how do you know you haven't met the right one, the right woman? I just don't have it. I don't think there's a right woman for me. Now that is a solid question, mm-hmm. and so that's where you fit on that spectrum. Mm-hmm. But then there's some people. So I'm all we over here on yeah, this side you, of this. You, you, <laughs> Fonz, I'm over here. Okay, y'all better recognize. Okay, <laughs> you all the way over here. I try to tell Lashandra that too. Lashandra, I'm over here. <laughs> See, for me, like let's say lesbian is here. Okay, I am like right here. So you have a little space. And there? the reason I have space is because I'm overly attracted to masculinity. Of course, if you were out there, um, yeah. So getting your groove I on, love, girl, you I, definitely you you a little bit over here. N- no, no. <laughs> so you, that's no. so the that that is why because I often wonder. 
And then someone explained to me when I said, so why would a woman go and get with a stud when they can just go down the street and get with Quincy? Yeah. But I recognize that it's not just the sexual piece. It's a connection that women, women understand women differently, treat them differently, yeah. cater to them differently. And yeah. Quincy just isn't equipped to do that. Yeah. Right. Like I just there is nothing in me now if and the reason also I say I'm here is mm-hmm. because I, baby, if Method Man ever walked in through my door, I Child. might I might lose my whole entire Child. Idris Elba. How about him? See, no, I, because I have and that's because I have that one. Idris Elba is a little really no girl. What? No, Man. you know. Yeah, you are definitely a lesbian. Method Anytime Man. you say girl. Yeah. Yes. Idris. <laughs> you. <No>. De- <laughs> You can have him. Girl. I mean, so the only guy that you really have a real crush on is Method Man? That's it. On this whole entire planet. Really? Yes. That's it. Mm, Method. Method. (laughs) That's it. You're turning him out, (laughs) Method. So it was like, but I'm really attracted to masculinity. And I think I'm attracted to Method Man because like he, there's like some hyper masculinity. The swag is real with Method. It's weird. You know, Wu-Tang. Okay, let's back up. What you know about, before we close out, are you a hip hopper? I am. When did you fall in love with hip hop? I actually fell in love with, when did I fall in love with hip hop? It wasn't, it probably was Wu-Tang. It probably was Wu-Tang. What about MC Light? I wasn't, I was grown, but I wasn't. Really? I was still MC- listening to like Michael Jackson and stuff like that back in the day. What about Latifah? Um, not like that. It wasn't until I really got into like, I actually got into E-40 and all of that before I got into, into that. Okay. Wu-Tang. Okay. So you, okay. That's true. So you, cause you're up in the DMV area. So DMV, Biggie, yeah, Tupac, yeah, yeah, yeah. Bone Thugs and Harmony. Okay, okay, yeah. okay, okay. Yeah. And then we got to show the uh, West Coast a little bit of love too. Yeah, Easy E, Easy E, Snoop. Yeah, yeah. Okay, okay. Yeah. All right, so you got a little hip hop <laughs> up in you, girl. I would have said you was a neo soul, but you got a little hip. I'm neo soul now. Yeah, you're very Neo. You're very Erica Badu-ish, okay? I'm also Ballhead Hosha now. Okay. I'm I'm a lot of... (laughs) (laughs) Well, y'all, I have enjoyed... Oh, sweet girl. What What about Lizzo? I love me some Lizzo. Lizzo letting y'all... I love me some Lizzo. Lizzo. Her show was off the chain. I have Amazon Prime. Oh, I got to watch it. Lizzo ain't playing no games with y'all. I love Lizzo. Lizzo said you gonna take and get all I just of me. Be her best friend. You wanna be her best friend? Yeah. Okay. I just feel like she just that bitch. You know what I mean? Lizzo don't care. At all. And I think, but she's a trailblazer. Yeah. She's one of those top 10% that I think in 20 years, there's going to be a discussion about how she opened the door for larger women to have a conversation about sexuality and Mm -hmm. the perceptions of society. And what is considered sexy and And acceptable. Yeah. Yeah. She's going to be the person that we end up talking about later on in life. She's a trailblazer, whether you like her or not. And the amount of effort she has taken to keep her relationship private, I you need to write a book about that. Yeah, Lizzo well, I'm with Lizzo. You keep your business, <laughs> you know, all that on social media. You asking for people to come in and destroy. This is true. But you know what? We 
enjoy you today, Teresa. Thank you so much for coming in, being always welcoming and transparent and open to share. Good conversation. Oh, yeah. And with good people and good lemon drops, right? (sighs) Hey, and we'll see you guys next time on Conology. Welcome to Coinology, the podcast.